Welcome, welcome, welcome to the second episode of The Virgin and the Bees. I'm your host, Zarina. My pronouns are she, her, and I am super excited to have Nick joining us today. Hi, Nick. Hello, I'm Nick Quidgen. My pronouns are she and her, and I'm super excited to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining. I'm so excited for this. Nick and I also live together uh, right after college. And so we've had lots of talks about sex and sex things. And she is, you know, very much to my luck, also involved in the uh, UCSB sex education program. It's under the sociology department, but they provide a lot of free resources about sex information in an educational context. Um, and she was the editor-in-chief there. So she's like a mega sexpert. So <laughs> thank you for, for being here. Uh, I don't know if there's anything you wanna add about yourself or Sex Info Online as a program. I think you did a great intro. And like you mentioned, I was honored to be part of the program as the editor-in-chief. So I worked with Lauren, who was in your last podcast, one of our amazing illustrators and writers. and I really enjoyed and loved the program because it gave you the chance to explore a topic that a lot of people have trouble advocating for themselves for and gave you information on sexual health, wellness, and relationships in a really meaningful way. And the fact that our university supported the sociology department through that was, it was just an amazing experience and something that I miss now that I'm not in school anymore. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you got to be part of that pro program obviously like you really enjoyed it, but also selfishly, I benefited a lot from you being in the program. Um, so really excited to have you with us today. And today we are talking about consent. And just a little quick disclaimer, um, we know that sexual assault is something that it's a very important part of consent. And we aren't going to be talking much about sexual assaults and uh, rape culture and things like that. We're not going to go into the nitty gritty, but we do want to acknowledge that that is something that does play a huge role um, in what we're talking about. But we're going to be talking more about what is consent? How do you give or get proper consent to make sure that these things, these bad things don't happen? Yeah, absolutely. And like Serena said, it Consent can be tied to a lot of trigger warnings because it is tied to rape culture. A lot of people feel like their consent has been violated. And we're purely talking from the experience we've had, the research we've done, and the education that's given us the background to speak on it. And while some of the topics that we cover might tie over, we're trying to get at how we feel about it and how we feel is best to communicate. So we just want to be respectful on a, a topic topic that's hard to broach and kind of approach it in a really unique way that makes it a little bit easier to digest and understand. Yeah, definitely. Very, very well said. <laughs> um, so yeah, obviously it's very important to us. We don't want to trigger anyone, but we also do just want to just have that little disclaimer. But um, with that said, uh, we're talking about what is consent. So I found this really cool study by Planned Parenthood. And in there, they define consent as affirmative, conscious, and voluntary agreement to engage in sexual activity. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a, a pretty nice definition. You know, it has to be affirmative, very like kind of enthusiastic, 
yes kind of thing conscious obviously (laughs) making a conscious decision and voluntary it's not something that is you know there's any sort of pressure involved so I really like that definition but Nick I'd love to hear what your definition of consent is or what your thoughts are on that I think that's an amazing definition and I actually I saw a quote the other day that kind of touched on the last part of the definition you provided and it said something along the lines of consent as a yes is only meaningful in that capacity if no is also a comfortable answer. Consent is a two-way street and you have to be able to give your answer with the comfort and safety that that is actually how you advocate for yourself. And and I think, you know, we were talking a little bit about consent before and it's it means so many different things to so many different people. So I think that's a, a wonderful kind of broad you know definition to it. And from there, I think everyone can kind of decide what it means to them in each circumstance and kind of go from there. Yeah, definitely. And I love what you just said at the end there about in each circumstance, like consent is an ongoing thing, you know, and and I know that you've definitely talked to me about that. And so, um, so what's kind of your, your thoughts? I think um, even in, you know, university settings where consent is a a really pertinent topic and something that people want to understand and become educated on, it's, it's almost sometimes oversimplified as a yes or a no versus consent for me goes hand in hand is it's active communication. And you might step into a setting, whether it's with a long-term partner or someone who you're just interested in getting to know and actively advocating for yourself and feeling comfortable to say one thing in the beginning and then understand your circumstances and continue to have a conversation about what works for you. No, it's a lot easier said than done to be fair, but I think that's what really healthy consent looks like. Yeah, definitely. I love that term, healthy consent. Obviously, there's unhealthy consent happening as well. Um, but yeah, yeah it doesn't yeah. always lead to dire circumstance. But you know, even in a situation where you're happy to be in, sometimes it's really hard to define like how do I convey to this person or to these people like what works for me. And I think the best way and something that, you know, it's not something that you're necessarily going to get right the first time, but as long as it's, you know, an aspect that you can continue to improve on and something you're like, oh, like I've been here before and I want to keep talking about what works because a lot of situations change. And I think in the way that you and I are trying to discuss consent, whether it's, you know, someone you're excited to hook up at the bar with or a partner you've been with a few years, like there's so many different varieties, which is part of why we put all these caveats in and have so much to say on the topic. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. I feel like I say that so, like, it's just like you say something, I'm like, yes, definitely, definitely. Uh, <laughs> but if you don't mind sharing, uh, you don't have to if you don't feel comfortable, but what are some examples of what ongoing consent looks like in, in your life right now? Huh, great question, and I'm happy to share. I think it's for me, it's in a surprising way, it's changed almost just within the last year. I've had the opportunity to go on a lot of fun dates and have experiences with different people and I have a this is all pre-pandemic by the way oh yeah all (laughs) pre-pandemic most indubitably thank you 2019 2020 obviously took a step back and was lucky enough to meet a long-term partner right before lockdown and I realized this was the first person who asked me almost every day hey do you want to sleep together today? Or does this work for you? Or who is actively interested 
in where I was emotionally and mentally. And I looked back at the partners and some, again, lovely people, but this was the first person who made me confident in advocating for myself. And it's, I think, part of why you and I agreed to talk about this topic in the first place is it's the first time that I thought, oh, consent is an ongoing conversation. It's not something that you give once and that should just be a given. It certainly can be. But when someone actively checks in with genuine curiosity, it, it just feels and it hits different. And that's kind of where my curiosity came from. And the fact that we continue to have that conversation, which it's almost embarrassing to say that's a new thing, but it, it really is. And I was like, man, what was I putting up with before? <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. I think it's so nice to think about because because when you think about people in, in a relationship or being in a relationship, you don't often think about, oh, like, does this person want to have sex with me today? Or, or probably in a relationship yeah. you, you do, but, you know, it's kind of this idea. I think there's this narrative out there in the media and just in society that, oh, if someone likes you and you've had sex and you like, you know, like, oh, this person likes sex with me. So that's end of the story. Like yay sex you know yeah. and thinking about you know there may be a day where you just don't feel like having sex for whatever reason man or woman and checking in and respecting that decision their decision and not taking it personally as like oh this person doesn't like me they don't want to have sex with me today like it's not a personal like rejection or anything it's just like respecting that person's choice yeah. and how they're feeling at that time yeah. And I think it's interesting that you phrase it that way too, because I thought of some more recent grown up relationships that I'd had and I tried to compare it and I thought about what was different. And a lot of times when you get to be with someone for a while, you're in the same place. Like, you know, again, I'm, I'm talking from a pretty predominantly heterosexual relationship. I know that there's different circumstances, but I've had partners who just assumed that that was a right they could take. And I was like, I just didn't even enjoy the sex as much. I was like, oh, I, I wanted to be in it, but I wasn't sure. Versus I had someone who checked in and was like, why would I why would I be interested in sleeping with you if you're not 100% in it? I was like, oh. well, I've had people who haven't been interested or advocated that way. So yeah, it's, it's just interesting. I think one of the things that makes it really hard, if it's not something that you're both proactive about, is that you, sometimes you can feel like, someone turns it into a personal rejection when that's not what it is. You're like, no, I'm feeling out of it this morning, or I'm just not quite ready. And when you say that, someone's like, but I'm turned on, but we, you know, we decided to do these things together and you feel like it's, you're creating a problem for them. And, you know, it's, it, it's something definitely that I think society and media, at least in like American society and media, it contributes a lot to, and I've never seen I can't, I can't think of very many movies or TV shows or other aspects where someone, there's been this really awesome hot love scene where someone's like, you know what, never mind. And then it just ends really beautifully. Like, that's just, it's not part of the rhetoric. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, media and movies and TV shows and whatnot, um, lots of great content out there that is sex positive, but I haven't seen anything like that either. And in general, I think you were mentioning this um, when we talked earlier, but when you think about a lot of sex scenes, like there's rarely consent shown. And so it's kind of, if young people are watching it and thinking, oh, this is what sex is like, 
and there's no yeah. mention of consent like you can kind of see why this is kind of perpetuated so yeah it sets the precedent and I think like a lot of other young women in particular like I loved my romance novels and my you know the trashy movies and even the really great ones but offhand I can't think of a single one where someone's like hey I respect you and your body and your autonomy do you want to do this versus it's just two gorgeous people all over each other and you know I in trying to emulate that in my own relationships in my own interactions I was like oh this this looked a lot more glamorous on screen <laughs> they have lights yeah. they have you know I, I was gonna angles. say more than lights angles <laughs> and you know lot getting the right shot and acting literally I feel like when you have a script to go by versus just kind of like huh here I am la da da I'm figuring it out just as doing your inner monologue (laughs) oh my god inner monologue is oof speaking of inner monologue like obviously you can tell yourself a lot of things but with with consent and with everything as you were saying to communication is so key so if you're you know in your head just try to get out of your head and, and actually communicate with your partner because what you're thinking may be totally different to what they're thinking or the reality yeah. of what's happening yeah and that's true just that's just good general life advice like communication is key try to get out of your head when you can and say out loud and advocate for yourself but you know as we also mentioned that's it's one thing to sit here on a podcast and be like that's what you should do versus you're in a situation a hopefully non-pandemic situation and you're ready to hook up with this person but you're not sure to what degree like it is just so easy to get stuck in your head and I think one thing that people do is they maybe underestimate how much your partner does want to hear from you you know everyone has their own settings and their own interactions but I think clarity and active communication just helps a lot of people and puts you in a good place so yeah even the really you know progressive interesting shows I had this is maybe not a topic that they focused on as much um or if they have I have yet to see those shows and I'm looking forward to when that becomes more of the norm definitely and if you have seen any you know media or shows that do kind of directly address that uh let us know in the comments below of the youtube video or um you know right i don't know how you would do it on the podcast version but there is a youtube version of this and you can let us know in the comments because that'd be really cool to to see some of that when i think about that in terms of specific shows too like the two biggest examples that come to my mind are less about what healthy consent looks like and more of the aftermath of when it's been violated, which again, touch on touches on some heavier topics. And I know I hadn't had a chance to see it, but I've heard of really amazing things about a show called I May Destroy You, in which a woman deals with aftermath of sexual assault and how her consent was never, you know, really checked in with. That's a, a very important narrative or important narratives because everyone's story is is of course different but that those are important narratives to have in mainstream media um and especially because i feel like there's also this thing in our society right now where there's this idea that like women are being too sensitive and now men are too scared to like kiss the girl or like you know do anything because they could have a sexual assault claim against them and that's like men's worst nightmare which I I do understand why that would be a bad thing to happen to you because obviously it is um you know career 
destroying and all these things, which it should be in yeah. when it actually happens. But uh, I, I do understand that that fear, but also at the same time, it's like, if that's your worst nightmare, like imagine actually like having something like that happen to you and being the victim. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, and I think part of why consent, it feels like a newer topic because for the first time, a lot of those people who have experienced those things, women and men alike, finally are being heard. And even in just, I think, sadly, the, the corporate setting is often where these changes are made. And they're often a little slow to make those changes just because when you have a for-profit business, sometimes it's easy to overlook your employees and how people are being treated. But, you know, as it comes to light, people try to define like, well, what is consent and how do you make sure that it's being treated appropriately, whether it's a work setting, whether it's a date or everything else, because mm -hmm. I think the precedent beforehand was, well, why wouldn't she enjoy it? Why would he mind that? You know, it's, it's, it can get a little bit tricky. And I think that you had mentioned to me the other day, a study that talked about different kind of kinds of consent. And as someone who felt like she had such a deep background on it, I still was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing information. Like, I wonder if you might want to share that just because I feel like that touches on a huge part of consent and how it can be such a broad topic and unique to so many different people. Yeah, definitely. It was that uh, Planned Parenthood study. It was looking at what people think consent means. And so this is like what people strongly agreed, the percentage of people who strongly agreed that these things meant consent. So taking off their own clothes. So 35% of people, this is both men and women in the study, 35% of people strongly agreed that someone taking off their own clothes um, indicated consent. And then 37% of people strongly agreed that getting a condom meant consent. 24% thought that nodding in agreement, they strongly agreed that that was consent. And 22% of people strongly agreed that engaging in foreplay was consent. And then around 12 to 13% strongly disagreed that those behaviors meant consent. And everyone else was somewhere in between not having a strong uh, opinion on it, uh, either just agree, disagree, neutral. Um, and so I thought that was pretty interesting uh, to, to look at those behaviors and there were there were higher percentages of people strongly agreeing than strongly disagreeing and this was in I think 2015 or somewhere around there so maybe since the me too movement and everything has happened since then maybe those numbers are better now um but I'm, I'm not sure because unfortunately the study is a little before that time but it's still you know that was only five years ago and this is in the U.S where of course I think those statistics would be different depending on the country but yeah yeah I thought that was really interesting yeah I think it's fascinating too because like, as you read that study off to me as I'm sure a lot of other people will you go mm, what would my opinion be on that and you can think about maybe the first date you've ever been on where you're ready to be romantic with someone or the most recent partner you had and what makes the whole topic, I think, really tricky is that it is circumstantial. There are some times when it's pretty clear that I've engaged my partner and that that's the kind of physical affection that I'm looking for versus those other points where 
I might be into it physically, but my brain has been, oh my God, no, I need to study for this test. Or I just like, I'm having an off day. And what looks like consent yesterday is just not the same today. So I think one of the things that you and I had mentioned that we wanted to explore a little bit here is like, what can healthy consent look like? And what can you do to advocate for yourself a little bit more? And again, with the caveat of, everyone's different, everyone's unique, and it's really easy to preach about this. It's a little bit harder to practice, but I think in the end, kind of practice makes perfect. And the more that you learn to communicate about how you feel in situations where you feel safe, like that's when like, I think hand-in-hand confidence is sexy. And when you can communicate exactly what works for you, like that can be pretty hot too. Yeah, definitely. Definitely always always feel like you have the space and the right to communicate what you're comfortable with. And whether that's with consent, like, yes, like I'm I ready to have sex or I'm not ready right now or not feeling it or even beyond consent, just with like what you're interested in, what you want to try, what you're curious about, or if someone else brings that up and you're up for it or not up for it, maybe if someone judges you for that then they're probably not a good partner or deserving of being your partner to begin with so yeah Yeah. and I don't really think people would really judge for that as you said confidence is sexy there's nothing wrong with a little communication yeah and I think too it's you know it's hard to judge where like if you're, if you're maybe someone who's listening to this and you're like, wow, you know, I've been in this relationship for a long time. I haven't had a chance to do this. Even just framing the conversation for your partner and say like, hey, like I want to talk about what works for me. You don't need to slap them in the face with like, you're violating my consent. And say like, hey, yes, this is where I feel most turned on. This is what I'm interested in. Maybe there's a better way for me to communicate with you in moments when I'm not interested in. And I think that again, ties consistently back to the theme of, it's communication is the bottom line of not only healthy relationships, but how you actually grow and evolve within one. And if you find that you can't be doing that, that can often be a red flag. And, you know, everyone gets to decide their own pace and like what they want and need in, in a relationship, whether it's, you know, platonic, romantic, long-term, short-term, but, you know, science believes. <laughs> and so do a lot of people with great experience that that, that's really what ends up helping you out most. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like what you said about uh, framing it because with, with this, and I think with a lot of communication in general, when you're bringing up something about someone else's behavior, the act of coming at it from this is how I feel and coming at it from your experience rather than accusing the other person sets the tone yeah. up for a, a, um, a more productive conversation and not to say that like you know accusing people like you can never accuse people because there's this thing out there about how like people say like you're too emotional or being too angry or something when you're saying something invalidates what you're saying somehow which it doesn't but to have a more kind of calm conversation you're you're introducing them to the concept because while it might have been part of your inner monologue for a long time and like you've been psyching yourself up and you're ready to have this conversation this person you know 
just may not have ever been on the same page, partially just because you weren't communicating or there's been, you know, busy points in life where it's a change that you're more recently looking for. But I think that's, you know, outside of even consent, it's just great life advice, especially when it comes to relationships of all types. is if you want to have a productive, meaningful and comfortable conversation, how do you engage this person in a way that gives them the preparation to actually listen to what you're saying and not just feel defensive about what they feel like they're being accused of. Yeah, definitely. That was a very great way of easier putting it. Done, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely easier said than done. Um, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. And I think, you know, one of the kind of back to the bigger example of what we're talking about, of I had the more recent realization that consent needed to be an ongoing topic and that I finally found a partner who I felt like really respected that. And it's kind of, it's a little bit more of a personal anecdote, but it, at this point, it's kind of funny to me. It's like up until essentially a year ago, I was like, you know, I don't, I don't think I like morning sex. Like I don't want to wake up and physically engage with a partner. My body isn't feel woken up. Sometimes I don't know when it's coming in. Like, it's just not for me. And then I started sleeping with a partner and waking up next to someone who took their time, made sure I was ready. And genuinely just looked me in the eye and asked and I was like oh this is something that I actually really do enjoy because someone waited until I was ready instead of just assumed it was something that they could engage in I was like wow I had no clue that that was a thing you know and it's just it's funny how those different different circumstances or even just waiting 10 minutes to check in with me before I've woken up is like huh that makes such a difference and it introduces something that like I love sharing affection with my partner that way. And yeah, that was not a thing in college. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. I'm glad that you were able to realize that, oh, this is something I do enjoy and kind of enjoy that new kind of type of sex, I guess. Maybe not type of sex, but time of day of sex. Yeah. Circumstantial sex. I think that's a great testament of what, you know, when you're in a relationship, how ongoing consent is not only, of course, important, but also it can open you up to new things and stuff that you didn't even know you would have appreciated or liked. And so thank you for for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think going off of what you said there too, is the broader takeaway I think from that is that good consent and good communication, it can improve your sex life and your relationships and so much more it just and I think one thing that maybe some people underestimate you may be in what feels like a really healthy relationship you communicate with your partner but maybe you're listening to this and you're like how do I broach the topic of consent and I think especially when it comes to heterosexual relationships women are seen as being a little over communicative men is a little under communicative but one of the benefits there is that you're, if you're really clear about what you want, your partner knows exactly what works for you. And it seems like simple advice, but for from so many of my friends, especially my female friends who I've spoken to, it's, it's really difficult because you feel like I don't want to, you know, limit this person. I don't want to make them feel offended, but it's, it's, you know, eternally kind of difficult to communicate and advocate for yourself. And it's, I think, like we said a number of times, it's an ongoing process and something that you practice at. But I think when you get to a point where you're struggling with it less and you're just open to it a little bit more, it's also whatever the opposite of a red flag is. Green flag? It's, green it's flag. like, wow, this is, yeah, green <laughs> flag. This, this is exactly what I've been aiming for and what 
continues to like let us grow as a couple. Yeah, it's I feel like, as you said, in college, at least from our experiences at our college, which is known to be a pretty big hookup kind of culture university. um, That's something that I mean, not that I hooked up with people in college, but I would have loved to have that knowledge. And I'm sure a lot of my friends would have as well. Kind of like turning the interview background on you. I'm curious, like, I know you said you're, you didn't feel like you were actively hooking up with people, but even, you know, since college, you've gone on a number of dates and, you know, tried to at least figure out if you want an erantic reproach approach to someone you were seeing like is there anything where you're like I want to say this or I want to advocate or you know talk about consent in this way but I don't I don't even like know how to start that topic yeah I think well for me personally um sex on a first date is not something and of course consent is not just for sex it's for other things as well but in in terms of sex like that's something that just wasn't on the table for me for a first date and I don't think that is you know has to be everyone's approach obviously that just was mine personally um and so when the topic of sex did come up which it did a couple times most of the time it was from the guy and I was just completely like upfront and honest actually my very first tinder date I ever went on um when I I was 19 and it's about like 15 minutes in maybe 10 minutes in we're like small talking you know about the weather some shit like that and he just out of nowhere is just like and this was back back in the days of tinder like this was I don't know, five years ago so this was before bumble before hinge before these other dating apps that were made for, you know, more relationships, quote unquote, this was when Tinder was everything. So it was known for hookups, but it was where everyone was going for whatever. So also people looking for relationships and stuff like that. So this guy said, he's like, I've only had like three sexual partners, so I'm not very experienced. And me being, you know, the virgin that I was, I was like, oh, well, huh. I'm a virgin. And at, at the time I was super insecure about being a virgin, but it just right. came up and I didn't want to be dishonest. Not that I owed him that information at that point, but I just wanted to be candid. Um, and I, I, I don't know what I was expecting from a response, but he was just like, wait, you're a virgin. I would love to take your virginity. That was like the first thing he said to me. And I was like, like, I wasn't too creeped out because he he wasn't like a threat. Like he wasn't a threatening yeah. person. But I was just kind of thinking like, that's not the best move. Like if someone's still a virgin at this age in college, like you would think that 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 they wouldn't, you know. Yeah. They're not like, well, I've never heard that before. Let's, can we go back to your place right now? It's like, yeah. It, indicates in some level or another that this person is being very choosy and very protective of how they share that very intimate experience and someone's like you're a rarity it's like that's not (laughs) the feedback I was looking for but thank you yeah yeah it was it was not what I was expecting anyway so that that was an example Uh, a better example was actually um super recently well not super recently but like a couple months ago, I went COVID like a, recently. Yeah, COVID recently. But when COVID was was better in my area, right now it's pretty bad. But um, I went on a socially distant mass date with a guy. You know, we're having a super open conversation, and something yeah. 
came up naturally about sex and I told him, well, I'm, you know, still a virgin and da da da. And he was super respectful. He did ask a couple questions, but it wasn't like, you must answer these. It was just like, just out of curiosity, like you don't have to respond. He was just interested in like my reasoning, my approach, like, and just learn, just learning about it, you know, and just was very respectful about it. And we just had a very open conversation. And so that I think um, nothing ended up happening from that but it was really nice and refreshing and I think with a partner like having that open communication is something that I would want you know Um, and so establishing it early on is like pretty good and so yeah I'm trying to think about your original question I think it's like how I've approached um, consent so yeah yeah. I was just gonna say I feel like those are two like great examples of not necessarily two extremes, but two very different circumstances you can find yourself in. And I think, as we've mentioned too many times at this point, consent is communication. And when you're communicating with someone who's like, oh my gosh, like this is something crazy. Let me insert myself into this conversation unnecessarily versus like, hey, I want to know more about you and why you made this choice for yourself. Even just having a conversation about consent and what you're willing to do and, and those specific examples, like those are, are two <laughs> awesome ways to kind of look at it. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm like grateful for that first experience, but like, I'm, I'm grateful to have that like yeah. wide range. I look back at, you know, the, the fun dating experiences I had and even some where I step away, I was like, well, I'm never doing that again. I don't regret <laughs> it, but I've learned from this circumstance and I'm moving forward with a little more wisdom. And yeah. I think even the really awkward moments can, you can at least step away with that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's like, you had this experience and that's that. And I've learned and growed and growed, 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 growed. Um, I'm like, is that the proper past tense verb for that? I think it is. It doesn't sound right, though. The English um, major is like, hmm. yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was this guy that, um, you know, I liked and we were kind of like flirty. And at one point we were at a party and he just said, he was like, I don't know where I can touch you. And I was like, you can touch me wherever you want. And and he just and then he like didn't because we weren't actually like. I don't know, it was like a weird thing where, you know, it's like this friendship, flirtationship thing. Yeah. Like we we're friends, but we weren't like crossing that line yet. And so Blurry he didn't, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he didn't end up actually touching me anywhere. And it was, it was just complicated. But like the fact that he had like said that, I was cool. like, oh, that's yeah. cool. Like, Versus you know. someone who's like, I'm going to go for it and see what happens, which I feel, you know, just from my personal experience has definitely been the norm I can think of. A handful of times where someone's like I don't know what works for you like oh well let me figure it out too <laughs> yeah like I've been at you know pre-pandemic um clubs where I just like if I walk to the bathroom alone I get at least a couple hands just like grabbing at my <laughs> vagina vulva I don't want to say p- pussy because grab pussy just has a whole different other meaning now but yeah it's just like the fact that someone's like, oh, like, I don't know where I can touch you. Like just asking versus these random people that you don't even know and you don't even see their faces because you're in a crowd, just like touching you somewhere that's very like intimate, you know, it's just kind of two very different sides of a spectrum there. And it's crazy because, you know, I was, I was with you at some of those clubs, you know, kind of during school time and after and it's, I think, you know, there's maybe 
touches on, I think, hookup culture and consent in a lot of ways, but there are a lot of places where people just almost felt like entitled to grab me. And I didn't, I, I understood the culture enough that I wasn't super angry, but you know, you and I would go there and we would like actively protect each other. There was one time in particular, you, me and another friend of yours were at a club and someone was being real creepy about one of your friends. And you and I had to like tag team to keep this very awkward, uninvited person away. Like we were literally, we turned into like, little mini dressed out bodyguards which shouldn't happen Woo, power bodyguards yeah. i think yep. like power puff girls like oh yeah <laughs> that would have been that would have been a lot cooler than what we dealt with you know it's is interesting too and this goes more to like w- w- you and i have talked about consent and relationships i think a lot of a lot of it has been in pretty heterosexual terms just because you know that is kind of where the general stats and understanding lie. And I think a lot of our experiences lie there too, but I thought it was interesting. There was a time in college when I had the chance to go out and party with one of my friends. One of her coworkers was there. The coworker got entirely too drunk, was uncomfortably, you know, wasted. And I I always turn into the mom in that situation. So, you know, I propped this girl up. I helped to take care of her and she was hitting on me during that time. And I was like, you know, it's one thing to help a girl, you know, help a stranger out. But when she, you know, like she grabbed at my chest and other things like that, and it was ridiculous. And yet I stepped away from it and I didn't feel anywhere near as traumatized as some of the random people who I felt a little affronted by in a club. And I kind of questioned, I was like, why is it that I wasn't as bothered when a female kind of did that to me versus a male? And, you know, I don't know what it says about broader culture, but it's just interesting where people's level of comfort lies and what you expect to happen and kind of how you conceptualize it after it's something I haven't entirely figured out and I don't know where I was trying to end with that but it's just one more layer of a very convoluted personal topic for a lot of people yeah yeah thank you for bringing that up and and sharing that experience um I think also it's interesting because as you said the difference between male and female and also this was someone who you were helping who like wasn't in a very conscious good state you know what I mean and so there's kind of a lot of of layers to it one of the things that made me dwell on this topic past you know past the moment it happened is I shared that story with one of the last people I was dating and his first knee-jerk comment was like well that's kind of hot I was like it's not it's not and like the fact that you think I do not consent to that answer bro it's really just it's it's interesting how we approach it and just how you decide to again reconcile those experiences that you've had because I actually I I mentioned to one of my um one of my family members that I was doing this podcast and she was super excited and I told her about you know the example I wanted to share about my relationship and she goes oh I'm I'm almost surprised to hear that because I've only had a relationship with women and I can't mention any time outside of maybe this once this one time when I was hooking up with someone that I ever felt like my consent was violated partially just because you know all the women I've dated are super communicative and you know she shared that that just it hadn't even occurred to her as a topic to discuss because that had never been something she dealt with yeah yeah so so interesting how you know different as we said earlier like different countries have different approaches different um 
cultures within different um, sexualities. Um, and I wonder how that would apply to the gay community for men and then also for bisexual people who have, you know, experienced a lot of different experiences, what, what they've ha have experienced yeah. with consent among different types of individuals. And, and of course, you know, it, it's not a blanket statement for everyone, but just kind of a, a general consensus within um, a community with your experiences with uh, a lot of the heterosexual experiences that you had and there's you know a guy who who is really great about consent so not obviously not all men suck at consent and all women are great at it um but it is interesting to see how that differs in the U.S. where women are you know not even with sex but just like cat called and you know get their parts grabbed at clubs and stuff, just how they then um, react differently. And also I think go, going off of that, but kind of flipping it a little bit um, is the, you know, just addressing that um, women aren't the only victims of sexual assault and yeah. men are also can be victims. While that does seem to be like a, a you know, cultural kind of mindset, um, just kind of also recognizing that women can violate consent and this these um guidelines i guess are for everyone um regardless of your gender or sexuality or anything like that um uh, advocating for your own consent and also making sure that you're getting consent from your partner is incredibly important yeah yeah it's can be a little tough to navigate as we said but it makes a big difference yeah, yeah, definitely. I think there, there's actually a couple more statistics I have. <laughs> yes, I love um, This I thought was super interesting, and this goes back to what we were talking about, about kind of the how society kind of uh, approaches women and sexualizes women. So there is this um, statement and is it's the amount of people that strongly disagree with this statement. So the statement is when women go to parties wearing revealing clothes, they are asking for trouble. So that's the statement. And the amount of women that strongly disagreed with that statement, 48%. So almost half, but not fully half. The amount of men that strongly disagreed with that statement was 35%. Oh, that's kind of a heartbreaking uh, statistic. That was not what I expected you to read. Yeah. And once again, from 2015, before the Me Too movement really like came into gear, and I think a lot has been done and said and a lot of more educational kind of content out there talking about consent since this study, but that was pretty, that was a pretty shocking statistic, like 48% of women. So that's um, and this was, of course, just people in the in the study, but statistics, right. you know, work to kind of show what the broader um, societal, you know, it's kind of getting a little um, check in on what people are thinking in a society at the time. Um, and so, yeah, that's still like um, 52% of women did not strongly disagree. They might have disagreed, but not 
strongly and same with men that's 65 percent of men did not strongly disagree about that and I think it might be different depending on like if you're in a big city versus a small town if you're like in let's say like California versus I don't know Idaho or something you know so obviously it, it might be different depending on where you are um but that was a pretty um a pretty shocking statistic so yeah. It's pretty jarring information. And actually, um, it makes me think of, I was scrolling through social media the other day and there was a comedy bit by BBC Comedy. And um, there's a bunch of female baristas behind the bar. A number of men come up to order drinks. And as they're ordering, one pulls out a newspaper clipping. And on the front is a woman scantily dressed. And it says she was asking for it. And they all just kind of nod and mumble in agreement. And then it pans to the baristas behind the bar. They're like, what if what you wore was always asking for it. And then in the first example, one woman just puts on a suit, walks into a random conference room, and she goes, thank you for the promotion. And everyone's like, she doesn't work here. She's like, but the suit, I'm asking for it. And pans to like a second example. This woman shows up to work in her bathing suit and her sun hat and her little flowery dress. They go, honey, it's like, it's 2 p.m. on a Wednesday. She goes, I'm asking for it. I'm going on vacation. And then the very last example is some woman sits down, puts like a little napkin around her neck and then takes her coworker's lunch. And he goes, what are you doing? She goes, I'm asking for it. And it's just, it's funny. And the example, you know, rounds out after their fantasies of it, this guy, you know, who was being the most obnoxious about it. He's wearing um, some sports jersey and they knock the cake out of his hand. And he goes, what? They're like, well, you're wearing a sports jersey. You're training. You were asking for it. And it's just one of the the better edited and a really funny take on what can be a heavy topic of, I, you know, I think you and I have had this education on she's asking for it and why that's a ridiculous concept, at least to us for a really long time. But hopefully if that statistic was redone in modern times, people might have a little bit more perspective on why that is, you know, a just outlandish way to accuse someone of circumstances that, you know, put them in a really horrible position definitely 100 percent. i think comedy has a great way of kind of as you said in, in a light way really like sh- shifting the perspective so people can kind of see why something is um illogical i guess yeah. and um illogical at best and um really really uh hurtful and traumatic for a lot of people in in regards to that topic um but yeah yeah it's um hopefully as you said hopefully it is it is better now um that was 2015 a- another statistic from that was uh the statement not saying no indicates consent so as long as you're not saying no that you know you're you're giving consent so that's the statement and of those who, who strongly disagreed, um, 12% of women strongly disagreed with that statement and 9% of men strongly disagreed with that statement, which means more than 90% of men and almost 90% of women did not strongly disagree. They might've disagreed, but not strongly. So that was also like a really kind of shocking statistic because as you and I know, someone may not say no because they feel uncomfortable too. There's a lot of other signs like, like if you're not checking in, for instance, like we're, have been talking about just simply asking and checking in, but there's, you know, body language and, and all these other 
things and, and simply saying straight up saying no actually takes a lot of, um, it takes a lot in that moment. Like it takes a lot of courage. Um, and not saying that, you know, if people don't, they don't have courage, but it's just, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of rambling, but. You know, I think along that lines too, is it, it connects to what I brought up in the very beginning of consent as a yes or no spectrum only makes sense if no is also a safe and acceptable answer, because you know, a lot of the consent we talk about is in the first time you're checking in with someone new you may know, but it also, you know, applies to relationships and, and like a lot of the the issues around that is that like yes and no as a dichotomy only really matters if no isn't 100% acceptable. And, you know, like you said, there's body language, there's just the environment that you're in, and there's so many things that can indicate a no. And it's, it's kind of like the Wild West out there. And the fact that that statistic, you know, even in 2015, again, like, uh, it's a scary information and hopefully something that's continued to evolve as the Me Too movement has moved along and kind of created better recognition and understanding for people. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely. And um, yeah, is there, I think we kind of went over everything that we had um, wanted to, but is, is there any kind of lasting statement you want to make or any other other points that you wanted to touch on that we haven't yet I think it was first of all an awesome conversation so thank you for including me in it and I've I feel like I tried to summarize myself a number of times through the end in the beginning but consent is an ongoing conversation it's something that goes hand in hand with healthy communication it's different for a lot of people a lot of circumstance and advocating for yourself in that way takes a lot of practice but I think even just conversations like the one you and I are having where people have an open conversation and admit to not being 100% sure but willing to understand it better like that's kind of where it starts and how you get more comfortable with being comfortable Uh, and I I love what you just said about you know it may be something that you're not 100% clear on or you may not know all the answers but just being open and understanding like I think that is the most important first step with consent and with a lot of things when it comes to sex and life in general so yeah well thank you so much for joining thanks for having me here it was a lot of fun yeah normally I would like have people share their social media or where people can find them I don't know if that's something like if if you want to share anything or if I should just leave it as like Nick is elusive. She can't be found anywhere. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't know what you I want. Think the, the only, the follow would be like, um, I just, if you, if you have questions and you feel like some of what we went over wasn't answered, checking in with UCSB sex info online is a really great place because outside of a lot of really informative articles that they have, you can also ask direct questions that people will put a lot of thought and effort into answering. So it's one more place to get a lot of awesome information in a site that, you know, I made a big difference in my life and my understanding of my own happiness, health, sexuality too. Yeah, that's, that's great. I'll put that in then. Um, yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Um, and yeah. All right. Consent. Hell yeah. Consent is sexy. It is indeed. <laughs> all right. Thank you again for joining us. 
thank you everyone for listening and or watching and keep on buzzing my bees virgin and the bees <laughs> love it